Support for this podcast comes from UCSF Medical Center. U.S. News and World Report has recognized UCSF Medical Center as the best hospital in California for neurology and neurosurgery, cancer, orthopedics, kidney care, diabetes and endocrinology, lung and respiratory care. UCSF Health, redefining possible. Columbus is growing. Here at the Dispatch, we wanted to take a step back and look at what all this growth means. This program will explore the future of Columbus and Central Ohio. This is What's Next. Hello and welcome to the first podcast looking at CBUS Next. My name is Michelle Everhart. I am the digital news editor here at the Columbus Dispatch. And over the next seven months, we're going to be exploring the future of Columbus. Um, What will Columbus look like in 20 years? Will there be enough jobs for everyone? And what will they be? And hey, will cars be driving themselves? We're going to look into um, various topics, including homes and neighborhoods, education, health and science, sports and leisure, business, and who are the innovators? of Columbus. The first month um, starts here in June and we're talking about growth in Columbus. Um, Last month we learned that the the city had surpassed Indianapolis in population, making it the second largest city in the Midwest and the 14th largest in the country. I'm here with reporters Mark Farinchak and Rick Ruan who asked city leaders, futurists, and neighborhood experts to gaze into their crystal balls and they found some common predictions. Guys, can you tell me about some of those themes? Sure. Um, the the biggest theme that we found in the first month um, kind of focused on growth. Uh, so the region, um, a lot of experts believe, is going to have um, kind of explosive growth um, in the next several decades. Um, that runs kind of contrary to what we've seen uh, in the, the last several decades. So um, it's really kind of a, a different prediction um, for, for Central Ohio something that we've not seen before. Right. Uh, they're expecting, or depending on who you talk to, we're expecting up to another million people in the metropolitan area, which would bring it close to three million. Um, the concern is how do you deal with that kind of growth in terms of transportation, affordable housing, those types of things. And that's one thing that there are a couple of things that city leaders and metro leaders are going to have to really deal with as the this... Um, projected growth continues, whether it's going to be that much, I mean, nobody really knows for sure, but they're pretty bullish on the future of the area. Yeah, if you if you talk with um, economists, for example, they'll, they'll tell you that, um, you know, you can look at births, you can look at deaths, and that gives you a sense for, you know, what direction the population is going to go. But there's lots of variables that uh, kind of factor into the in-between on immigration um, into the, the city. Um, so, you know, it's hard to say uh, what factors outside of Columbus that are completely outside of um, the region's control are going to affect that. Um, but uh, the, the big projection, the one million people is coming from uh, the Mid-Ohio Regional Planning Commission, which is uh, pretty much tasked with uh, being the um, kind of agency where uh, everybody in the region comes together to look at big issues for, for the region. So with this population boom, tell me what demographics are they expecting it most in? Well, it's going to be a combination, I think, of um, millennials uh, continuing to uh, uh 
to bolster that, but also we're going to have a, a, a growing number of seniors here who are going to be staying. And we did um, a series of stories about five years ago, and things really haven't changed much since then, about whether Central Ohio is going to be really uh, ready to handle um, the number of seniors who are going to be remain in this area, whether you know from transportation options to housing options to services that they're going to need, and our communities ready for that. I mean, you're going to have a lot of people with um, disabilities, going to have a lot of people with medical needs um, who are going to stay in this area. They are building housing to some extent to, to, to deal with that right now. But um, I know that there are projections. I think that at some point, 25% of Franklin County is going to be uh, 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 the home to seniors. It's a pretty large percentage. So how do you deal with, with that? Also, um, seniors are a lot like millennials and the fact that they like to live in denser, walkable communities. And a number of places are, are trying to um, cater to that, such as Dublin, with their uh, with their project up there. I think what they need to do is, and again, there are some concerns about this, if there are another million people in this region are the transportation options going to be there to 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 deal with that? We have a bus system that is trying to uh, reconfigure its routes right now, but a lot of people are still going to use cars. There are uh, discussions about automated vehicles, um, driverless vehicles. Um, some people think that that will reduce the number of cars on the road, but nobody knows for sure. But that gets into the smart city situation. Yeah, smart cities um, is, uh, well, for those who don't know, um, the city received a $40 million grant from the U.S. Department of Transportation last summer. Um, they got another $10 million grant from um, Paul Allen's Vulcan, Inc. Um, to um, deal with uh, electrification of vehicles. So that $50 million um, was pretty much set up so that Columbus would become essentially a test track for um, these transportation innovations that um, everybody is kind of talking about. Transportation is um, probably the, the area that it's easiest to kind of grapple with, you know, what the future is going to look like because big automakers are already embracing uh, a lot of this. Um, you're already seeing some of um, that on the, the road with collision avoidance systems that that are in cars, but in Columbus, um, the the money is going to be used to, to do things like test autonomous shuttles at um, East End, the, the shopping center. So you could uh, essentially take a, a Coda bus to East End's transit center, and then you would get on um, another shuttle that doesn't have a driver, uh, and it would take you to work. East End isn't just the the mall; it's you know a big business park as well. So I'm trying to figure out how to get people. It's it's called last mile, last mile transportation. You get to the final bus stop, and then where do you go from there? Um, it's also going to um, look at things like uh, the cashless society that we have. There, There's a um, huge number of people um, in Columbus that are unbanked. Um, they're... they're um, going to uh, need to be able to get on the, the bus and um, use a pass that is common across Uber and Lyft and Coda and um, Coco Bike Share. Um, the, there's lots of issues that, that are cropping up with the transportation and Columbus is uh, trying to look at a lot of those through smart cities. Is there a timeline for any of this to be a reality? Well, um, Columbus is working on a four-year timeline with its grant. So uh, it was awarded the grant 
grant last summer, so 2016. So by 2020, they have to have um, implemented a lot of what was in their proposal and have data that they can share with the federal government. The idea is that Columbus would test this stuff, it would come up with data, and then it would share it with the federal government and other cities so that others can learn um, what Columbus has learned and continue to advance these things. But um, Columbus also has um, gone a, a long way to try to bring on local partners um, who will extend this beyond 2020. Um, so they, they've gotten commitments from uh, businesses around the region um, to um, give either money or in-kind contributions or commitments to um, change their fleet to electric vehicles uh, so that uh, Smart Columbus isn't a, a four-year time horizon that it, it essentially just becomes something that's part of the city in perpetuity. Okay. Tell me how that's going to affect our economy, our jobs. Yeah, so um, a lot of people believe that um, if Columbus becomes this test bed for a lot of this technology, that it could potentially attract the companies that uh, are, one, testing it now, and two, going to build it in the future, and that those would kind of orbit around um, Smart Columbus as a hub here in, Colum in the city. Um, and what could that potentially mean for jobs? You know, maybe... Um, um, you bring a small company today um, that is really interested in a, a piece of transportation technology that explodes in the future. Um, does that become a job center in, in Columbus? It's hard to say, um, but um, that kind of clustering idea is one that experts talk about a lot. And Smart Columbus is one of the clusters that uh, a lot of the people that I talk to brought up um, because it's just sort of a, a natural uh, attraction to to Columbus, given that we're now on the national stage um, because of the award of the, the grant, and things are happening here. Okay. So part of this project was also to look back at what predictions had been made and to see... Um, see if any of those came true. One of the uh, ones that if you if you will look at uh, on our website is about um, we had a dispatch cartoonist named Billy Ireland uh, back in 1931 who did this very uh, detailed um, cartoon looking at what the predictions were going to be um, for Columbus. Can you guys tell me a little bit about what that looks like, what turned out to be true, and what didn't? Well, um, it's interesting that they're looking at uh, Capitol Square parking garages, which certainly came true. There's a new Columbus Dispatch Building, and I guess it's kind of true since we're in a newer version of the Dispatch Building, although it looks a little bit different. It's uh, funny to, to think about downtown Columbus without parking garages. Yeah. I mean, th this was in 1931, <laughs> which was, um, I think, like 20 years before Columbus got its first parking garage downtown, which is just insane to think about. Right, but he's all, yeah, so he's also you know, looking at elevated uh, roadways, which really didn't come to pass unless you're talking about some of the on and off ramps off the freeways, which are kind of true, um, and a, a, a basically a television board for uh, for news, which has come to pass, really. But this is for 1991. Um, it's there were other predictions too made in the 1960s um, where Columbus uh, dispatches Sunday magazine had a, some stories about what Columbus would look like in the year 2000. It's interesting, I mean, the 
the the cover again, one of the covers from 1967 had again police with jetpacks, hydrofoils in the Scioto River. Certainly those things didn't come to pass. But there was a very interesting prediction in there by somebody from the, again from the Chamber of Commerce who mentioned that foreign companies would be building manufacturing facilities here in the U.S. to be closer to customers, and that's Honda and all the suppliers. So something like that did come to pass. Other things did not, but um, that's why something like this is interesting because you don't know what you're going to have in 20 or 30 years. The, the One of the, my favorite things in the cartoon, um, I hope our listeners will actually go and look at it, but um, there are all these helicopters um, at the top, and they look like they're you know landing on top of the, the Columbus Evening Dispatch uh, of 1931 and taking out newspapers to deliver them via helicopter. and. Obviously, that didn't happen, but now in 2017, we're thinking about drones and drone delivery. And is this, you know, sort of predictive of, you know, we didn't get there in 1991, but um, our newspaper, is Amazon going to start delivering stuff by by drone? Are we going to see drones um, just sort of uh, right outside your front door dropping something? I don't know, but it's, you know, something that... uh, we didn't see come to pass, but maybe it's going to come to pass in in the future. Um, I thought that was really cool. And then um, on the the two tiered um, traffic, the the bottom tier was I think reserved for pedestrians. And pedestrian safety downtown is something that people are still always talking about. Um, it, it's an issue, you know, people um, getting hit by cars, crossing streets, and um, this would have solved the problem, but it would have been wildly expensive to do it, I would think, too. They're also talking about a subway escalator, and, and again, that gets back to yeah. uh, rail here. I don't think a subway is ever going to be built here. They're very, very, very expensive, um, and any kind of um, rail system is, but you would think that, again, if we're going to grow to three million people, that there's going to have to be some massive investment in mass transit here to deal with that. Is it going to be rail? going to be light rail? going to be heavy rail? going to be rail out to the airport? Um, you know, who knows, but uh, the, the the system as it's set up right now is woefully, I think, inadequate to deal with this growth if it comes to pass. Anybody who sat on 670 at rush hour would probably agree with you. Or yeah. 315 or pick your highway. Sure, but on 670, you're going to be able to drive in the, the uh, shoulder very soon. Yeah. So. <laughs> with those Kota buses. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to spring a question on you guys. Tell me the most interesting thing you you learn going through this project um or the 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 thing you were most surprised about I don't know that it was the thing that I was most surprised about, but one of my favorite things that somebody told me um was um that we need to be thinking about what is going to be the next Linden and what is going to be the next um, Franklinton and, and these areas that have been depressed over the last couple of decades. When you get people dreaming about the future, they get really excited about the positive things. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, not a lot of people uh, want to think about you know what are the consequences of growth and where people live and um, the investments that we're making now. Um, so um, uh, David Staley, who's a, a futurist um, at uh, Ohio State uh, and a history professor, he, he said that. He said, you know, we need to be um, kind of 
keeping our eye on um, what areas could potentially be depressed in the future and how do we avoid letting that happen um, because the, those areas have now been in that situation for decades it's a really complicated problem to pull them out of it um, lots of people are talking about it lots of uh, city investment in that um, but um, you only need to, to drive through Linden to realize that you know we don't want to see that happen somewhere else right there are a lot of post-war excuse me post-war neighborhoods here they were built in the 50s 60s and 70s that are getting older um, the housing stock depending on who you talk to some people find it attractive some don't um, there's still very viable neighborhoods there, but what what are the jobs? Are people going to be able to afford to live in homes and keep them up based on the jobs of the future? You know, the real price and I did again a series of stories three months ago now on, on income inequity and, and affordability of housing to some extent, and we're creating and the goal is to create a lot of you know well-paying jobs and data related to transportation. Um, I think Columbus is going to continue to do that. But is the education system here, in general, going to be good enough to produce well-educated workers to do those jobs? And if not, what's going to happen in terms of disparity and that type of thing? Um, affordable housing is already becoming a big issue in this town right now because of, of the growth here and the desirability of certain neighborhoods. That's going to continue, I think. Um, but if, if you are working in a lower wage job, if you're not able to get one of those data jobs or if you don't have that type of an educational background, then what's the future going to hold? Especially since we're going to be drawing more and more people here. Um, how are you, again, affordable housing is going to be a huge, huge question here over the next few decades. Yeah, Mark mentioned jobs. I mean, that's really the the undercurrent with all of this is um, what is the job situation going to be? I had somebody describe it to me as I asked them, you know, is it a chicken and egg situation? Um, you know, do the jobs need to come here and that attracts the population or is it the population that attracts the, the jobs because you have human capital here? Um, and he said it's more like a feedback loop. Loop. They, they feed into one another, um, and uh, all of the jobs that we're talking about are pretty skilled jobs, and when you talk about the future, people are talking about automation, uh, and that's going to eliminate the, a lot of those low-skilled jobs. If you look at the logistics industry, what is the future of Rickenbacker? Um, if, uh, that's a, a big job center right now. Um, what do those look like? 20 years from now, 30 much, years from now. Right, how much of it's going to be automated? Uh, yeah. Are you going to have driverless trucks? Are you going to have warehouses that are almost totally automated? It's those types of things. You have lots of people now working in warehouses here. Certainly, we've had a lot of um, um, discussion and, and uh, attention on Amazon and, and those types of folks. Are they going to need people to do those jobs in five to ten years? And if not, then what will people be doing, especially as more and more people come to Columbus because they see this as a center for opportunity? Yeah, and, you know, we're talking about low-skill jobs being automated, but one of the things that I was kind of shocked to hear from somebody is that there, you're already starting to see the, the potential for automation and jobs that are traditionally skilled. So, um, for example, in the legal world um, a lot of um, like contracts and things like that are sort of done on a formula and there's artificial intelligence now that can put those together for you um, that's really interesting to think about because that's not when you think of automation what, what you are traditionally going to 
picture. Absolutely. Well, Rick, Mark, thanks so much for being here with us um, and for giving us insight to what you learned. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to explore more. Um, we're going to look at the identity of Columbus, the future of transportation, as well as the expected growth and immigration population. We want to hear from you, too. So uh, if you have any ideas uh, about the future of Columbus and Central Ohio, let us know. Um, we have an email address set up. It's cbusnext at dispatch.com. Uh, shoot us an email, and we will maybe talk about it on a the next uh, podcast. My name is Jameer Dixon, and I'm a locating Mark Fieldman for PG&E. I protect people. I protect our community. I protect our environment. When you call A11, I come out to your house, and I mark out our gas lines and our electric lines to make sure that you don't hit them when you're digging. A11 is at the heart of safety. I want people to know what's underneath them when they're digging. I'm passionate about it because every time I go on the street, I think about my own kids. A11 is a free service. Even if you're planning a garden, no project is too small to call A11. Together, we're building a better California. 